it literally unleashed a side of me, Olivia, that like I didn't know I was capable of, right? If you're familiar with the Chicago music scene, then you definitely know today's guest, Sherm. Sherm is a fellow podcaster. He has a, a show called Sherm in the Booth. I was recently on. Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Sherm in the Booth. It is my absolute honor to have a fellow podcaster here, a fellow journalist. Uh, and I consider myself a journalist in one way or another, right? You absolutely are. You give it to me? Yeah. Okay, because you actually did it. So if I can get the real right of approval from you, then we're good. But you've had so many episodes of Sherman the Booth. I mean, you're... That's true. Please. 223 right now. I was going to ask. Yeah. That's props to you. He is a DJ, a producer, an influencer. He does A&R for Hood Politics. This guy is literally everywhere, and somehow he still manages to work an eight-to-five in logistics. He's become a really good friend over the past couple years, and I've learned so much from him because he's a guy who follows his nose about ideas and sees them through. Like, if you need someone to spot an opportunity for you, he's the guy to tell you. And you'll hear some really cool stories today about how he did just that when he turned his affliction for Malort, which is a interesting tasting beverage that's unique to Chicago. Malort! Into this whole big thing and an opportunity. There's a lot you can learn from him, so I hope you enjoy today's conversation with Sherm. What's the saying? My, 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 have the turn tables. <laughs> Are you quoting The Office? Yeah, I guess so. We're doing a little switcheroo. And yeah, that was good. You know, I um, feel like I've gotten to know you so much better in the short time since I've been on your show. Mm -hmm. And to know you is to love you. And like, you're so fucking cool. And (laughs) you have so much value to give to my audience. And so I'm just excited to, to dig into like how you do everything you do. Well, I appreciate that very much. The feeling is mutual. Thank you. Um, so you just came off of like a three weekend bender (laughs) and the bender continues professional bender. Okay. Professional bender. I like that. We're having fun, but it was paid bender. Correct. So what's, so talk to me about the bender. You're in the middle of, of a tour right now, which is super exciting tell me, set, set the stage for me. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I just kicked off a tour called The Toxic Tour. It's to promote this song I have coming out on Hood Politics Records on February 16th. It's a premiere track for the label this year. I believe it's the best track I've ever made. Um, I collaborated with my friend Halil Sensei, who lives in Istanbul, Turkey. Um, We discovered him just through him sending us demos. And he sent us this track last year called The Underground. And it was one of our most successful tracks of the year, uh, playing in every one of my sets. DJ Susan loves it. And I said to this guy, I go, my God, dude, like, I love your style. I would love to collaborate. And that's the beautiful thing about music to me, especially dance music, and particularly house music, is the influences from people all over the world. Like, there's foundations. Like, his style of bass line is, it is hood poly. Like, this guy's sound is hood poly, but 
he was making music before he ever heard about us. Right. And you don't have to be in the studio with people anymore. In fact, some people have trouble collaborating with other people in the studio because we all have our own flow. So um, anyway, that's all to promote this uh, song coming out. And I'm really, really excited about it. The reception from when I play the song has been like insane. It's so nerve wracking to like play a song with lyrics, right? Like I've released songs with lyrics, but these are like people haven't heard these before. And I'm a DJ who like always keeps it moving really quickly. Like I'll play a song maybe they don't know, but I'll quickly fade out of it just to keep the energy and attention. But I'm playing this one out. I'm being patient. And the reception has been incredible. Like in Denver and San Francisco, um, two cities outside of Chicago that I've played in before. But um, yeah, it's just been so sick to see people actually dancing to it and just feeling their energy and where the track came from, which is a really a, a special place for me, which is like right inside the heart because the lyrics actually have a lot of meaning, right? It's, it's, he, it, the vocals say like, baby, I'm not toxic. And it's kind of like that thing of like, sometimes people don't understand you until they know you, like you said. And the song has an energy sort of like a beating heart, right? So it's like, it builds, it builds, it builds. And then you get the drop for a second and then it goes away and you're like, whoa, it could bring it back. Then the drop hits again, then it slows down. And then I start to filter in the kick in the second break and it feels like a heartbeat. And then everybody just like, is like, damn, this shit hits. Wow. So, yeah. I think you're the first person on this show to actually explain like, th- like, <laughs> I don't even know the technicalities of it, but that's really cool. Yeah. And what I find absolutely terrifying about DJing and what you just <laughs> me is that you are taking your heart and putting it outside your body in front of a large audience and with the total gamble being they might hate this and so (laughs) that's the risk you have to take so Mm -hmm. it must feel really good to to be you know a a couple dates into this tour and like getting that Mm -hmm. feedback yeah for sure olivia and this conversation comes up a lot like behind the scenes with other producers where we make our music so that we can be a unique artist and have fans that love and appreciate us. But it's also scary sometimes when you're in the moment, you're playing in front of this big crowd and, you know, I don't know. It's just like, shit, I've pulled up so many of my songs before. And I know this will resonate with a lot of DJs. You pull up your song, you're about to mix it in. You go, I can't, I can't do it. Like, what if I lose the energy that I have by playing an unreleased track? Maybe they don't know this track. Like, and that's kind of, a double-edged sword because people do have a short attention span even at if they're already at the club you know what i mean like mm-hmm. they're there on the dance floor it's my job to keep them there i i'm like i'm playing these sets for them but i'm also doing it for me like i want to feel their energy right so it can be it can be a little bit like ah oh, shit is this gonna work should i play it but i've been doing that more lately because artists were our own biggest critic but the fact is people love discovering new music especially people like you you know what yeah. i mean like as a fan first type DJ, I love to go to sets where it's like unshazamable. You know what I mean? Like it just makes you want it that much more. Um, so I'm trying to like lean into that a little bit more, play my own music, take those chances. And yeah, going on a tour to promote a song um, is, you know, something completely new for me. You've seen some things like that, you know, like an album release tour, right? But this is a single, this is the world we live in. So it's, I just did Denver and San Francisco. I'm going to Minneapolis. I'm going to uh, Madison, Wisconsin. I'm going to Atlanta, Georgia, right? All mm-hmm. places outside of my own network for the most part. 
home base Chicago. So just by taking that chance to go on a tour to promote this song, to literally get it in front of people, not just on your Spotify radar, um, has been a really fun experience so far. And it's been well received, which is amazing. It is. It's huge. And like, you know, I've talked about this a little bit, but you are somebody who uh, takes chances and steps outside the box that is Chicago. Chicago is the home of house. Obviously, we all have an immense respect for it and being part of this community, you know, as an artist, as a fan is a privilege. But you're somebody who says, I need to go beyond this and I need to put myself in uncomfortable situations, go to new markets, do something different. How, how did you build that confidence? Because, um, it is, it, it can be scary too when the community is small in Chicago, as big as Chicago is, the community is small. And you're saying like, sorry guys, I got to go try out these other things. So yeah, how how did you build that confidence? Yeah, for sure. Great question. And, um, I'll say that it definitely has been, you know, there's been a long period of time where my confidence has been growing in terms of like just putting myself out there, especially with making my own music. I think that has been really the hill that I've had to climb that has been tough for me because I started off as a DJ, like many DJs in college. I, well, like I said, I was a fan first, right? And then you kind of just get this feeling like, I want to try and do that, whatever it is. I have my own ideas, my own inspirations. So I'm DJing for a long time. And 10 years ago, when I got into this, people were producing, but there was still not a lot of DJ DJs like there are today. Like Mm -hmm. people that just get a controller from their mom for Christmas when they're 15 years old. You know what I mean? I didn't have my hands on a controller until I was 21. Mm -hmm. Um, So these days, you know, the barrier to entry is, is so small and also with production, right? But to bring it back to me and where this confidence grew was I just started putting music out there on SoundCloud, right? Like you can go to my Spotify and I'm never going to take this track down because it's part of my journey. It's called the Shermanator, right? So, which has been, you know, a joke my entire life that, you know, I'm the Shermanator, even though I'm not like him, but whatever, you know, I don't care. Um, And I sampled in the first American Pie. I I don't know if you've seen it or it's been a long time probably where he like, he hooks up with this like really hot chick and he comes downstairs and they're all like, how did Sherman do that? You know what I mean? So I like, I was just like, yo, this is like crazy. My name is Sherman. This is a great clip. Let me just see what I can make with this. And I put it out and it's like a really fun track actually. Sherman meets a chick for one night and scores. But so many times before that, I was really afraid to just put anything out if it wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. Um, but the fact is once you start putting things out, you're going to be very surprised at the feedback that you get. And it's kind of like, that's going outside your comfort zone. And that's something that I always taught was taught in sports and school and life. Once you go outside your comfort zone, that's where growth happens, right? When you challenge yourself. Um, so over the years, just kind of cutting my teeth as a Chicago DJ, like you said, this is the home of house music. Um, while there is a lot of opportunity in the house music scene here, it's also very, very competitive because of the level of talent that producers have here, like your brother, you know? So, um, that was a little daunting for me. So I kind of kept following this direction of being like an open format DJ. Like there was definitely a point in time where I thought if I could be a resident at Tal like Metro, then I've made it right. I'm never going to be fucking Metro. That's my goddamn boy. Like he's literally the Chicago Bulls DJ and the White Sox DJ. Like that's his thing. He's so good at that, you know? Mm -hmm. And 
I came to realize that's not Sherm, right? I, it, I learned a lot and it definitely has helped separate me from the competition from a live show perspective, just because of all those years of open format DJing. Um, but again, from the confidence perspective, to then come back and say, I've got the DJ skills. I've been doing this podcast. If I can just combine it with the music, my own sound, then I'm going to get to the place where I want to go, which is to be an artist who's known as Sherm. So to answer your question directly, I got the confidence from really just owning who I am, which is Sherm, which is why I go by Sherm. Like, I don't know how to be anybody else. I can't put a mask on. I can't go by another moniker. I can't be that open format DJ that's going to be better than everybody else. I'm not that underground minimal guy like I thought that I had to be for a period of time. I'm Sherm. I make music that makes me happy. I put content out that I enjoy making. And all of that is coming together now. And um, I've never been just like more happy with um, where I'm at from a music perspective, a brand perspective, a growth perspective. So it takes time, long time. And you got to put yourself out there for sure. Yeah. This is the common theme that we talk about is the authenticity. You know, mm-hmm. it, 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 like if you want to experience like you want to truly 10x your life, like you just mm-hmm. have to be you because masking yeah. is so difficult and it, <clears throat> and it holds yeah. you back. Like unless you're like a master narcissist or something (laughs) that's like your skill is like, you know, (laughs) manipulating people. Like it really is difficult. And like what I think is, you know, so cool. And like what I always see on TikTok is people talking about like people who want to be content creators. Like you have to not be afraid to be cringy. It's going to be cringy (laughs) in the beginning because maybe you only have a hundred followers and like, you're like acting like you're some big time influencer, but you have to step into that persona because if Mm -hmm. you don't believe it, no one else is going to buy it either. And like, so true. You have such a larger than life um, persona on social media, but it does literally match who you are. (laughs) So, um, you know, you just, you have it like, that's all. That's another thing. Um, I think everybody can like step into their power and, mm-hmm. you know, be a personality per se, but then there's also people who just have it. And I think yeah. if I have like a hunch that you were kind of just born with a big personality. Is that true? <laughs> like, growing up when you were younger and stuff, were you like a really outgoing kid? No, you'd be surprised actually. Uh, my mom always tells this story uh, I think it was third or fourth grade. She, you know, when you go, the parents go to meet with the teachers and they're talking about like what your son is like in class. And um, they were just like, yeah, Matt's a, he's, he's a good student, but uh, he's really pretty shy actually. And my mom was like, really? Like he's shy. Uh, that is not what he's like around our family and friends. Right. So I was like, and that's like in a similar world, like what like you're explaining, right? Like school is kind of like a show of entertainment almost. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you're meeting new people, you're standing up in front of the class. You're like, I don't know, you're putting yourself out there, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, but it really wasn't until like uh, middle school and high school that I kind of came out of my shell a little bit more. Um, just to share a little bit of a personal story as well. I've been talking to a lot of people about this. So I grew up in Zionsville, Indiana, right? Mm-hmm. I- Indiana is interesting state, right? I'm half Jewish. My dad is Jewish. My mom is not. I, I look like a Jew. Like my dad's side of the family is very, very Jewish, like New York city, Jewish, like pastrami on rye, Jewish, like matzo ball soup, Jewish, you know what I mean? And like, I, I loved spending time with them. Right. And there was maybe only two or three other Jewish people at my school um, who were good friends of mine. And people would like label me as a Jew. And you know, this is obviously like not necessarily as serious as some of the other things that we talk about these days, but 
I was put in a weird perspective and point of view where people would call me something that I wasn't necessarily because I was kind of being raised Christian actually. Mm -hmm. Um, So throughout middle school and high school, like I still kind of had this voice except much higher and squeakier. I'll get made fun of a lot actually. Um, So it was kind of tough for me to come out of my shell, but when I finally did and I owned who I was, um, that's when I started to really become like Sherm, you know, for a long time I was Maddie Sherman, actually like Maddie. Um, and I know there's a lot of people out there that like, I, I wouldn't say I was bullied necessarily, but, um, I definitely felt like ostracized a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've really only started to kind of accept and realize those things these days, actually, as I fully owned who I am and pulled, put myself out there to the world. So actually, as I'm explaining this, it makes a lot more sense to me, Olivia, like, then I was afraid to put myself out there because people would make fun of me. When I first started this brand and doing this podcast, I felt like I had the support of people. But then all of a sudden, like you realize all oh, my friends and family aren't necessarily my fans, right? Like I have to, I have to do this because it makes me happy, but I need to own who I am in the process, which is really tough to do from mm-hmm. people who suffer from like imposter syndrome, which is everybody to a certain extent. For so, sure. um, well, you know, the things that, people, the things that kids tend to make fun of other kids for mm-hmm. typically happen to be their superpowers, right? Yeah. You'll yes. see something in you, even at a young age, like kids who are haters because they learn from their parents or whatever, they don't, you know, they, people can spot others who have a light in them and it, mm-hmm. and it upsets them because it shows that it shines the light on their insecurities and yep. so that's what they tend to pick on. And now you're saying you're, yeah. made, you're made fun of for your voice, you're this, you're that. Now you're a podcast host. <laughs> what, you know? Now everybody says your voice is perfect for the radio. It, it is. It literally <laughs> is. And like, you know, I always make, like, I always talk about this too, because I was bullied severely in middle school and in high sure. school. Yes. Well, I brought it up then. Yeah, really, really bad, like to the point where I still remember like crystal clear memories of certain things that happened, you know, and kids were awful back then and and in high school, too. But it was like more cunning. But I always think about thank fuck I did not peak back then because. (laughs) Yes, I think about the same thing. (laughs) I know people who did the some of the people that were my bullies and it's like mm-hmm. I I will somehow like they'll be recommended on people you may know or f- on Facebook <laughs> and stuff and I'm like yeah you know, don't even need to say anything so dude it's a chip on your shoulder a little bit now right it it is um yeah it, it, I I have worked to try to eliminate that um yeah. but you know your formative years when you when you are bullied, it, it, it does stick with you. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. I like your perspective on that. I guess I'm always someone who's like sort of been competitive with myself. And the second I feel like anybody gives me, well, somebody doesn't believe in me, I guess. And I'm, I'm willing enough to be honest about that. Like I kind of like the haters these days because that means that you're growing because the only people that hate on you are people that are below you. You know what I mean? And exactly. That's why I've gotten the confidence to, um, interview big artists, to play on big stages, to put myself out there, to get to know people that are at a bigger stage than me because they all started where we are. So I think everybody's heard the saying, right? Like once you do start getting haters, then then you know you're at a point where you're growing, you're going somewhere. Yeah. Um, but it's all love for me, man. Honestly, like I don't, I don't have any 
any hatred towards anybody. Like I just don't even have time for that in my life. So, um, but I, I do remember those, some of those things. It's funny you said that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, they, they do stick with you, but like you said, they can be motivation. And one yeah. thing that, um, one thing that I knew like implicitly, but I didn't fully understand it until this person pointed it out to me. I had hired like, just like for a one-off consultation, some like TikTok uh, like coach and she was really good. And like, she helped just from that one hour consultation. Like I, you know, grew a lot from it. And Mm -hmm. I told her like that one of my like business heroes is Bethany Frankel because she herself is this personal brand and she can like dabble in all these different ventures because people come for her. So she can talk about like 10 different subjects. She doesn't need to have a niche. Anyway, what this (laughs) coach pointed out to me was she was like, Olivia, Bethany Frankel is popular because she isn't afraid of hot takes. She isn't afraid to be controversial. She isn't afraid to that. She isn't afraid that some people aren't going to like what she has to say. Like she has a point of view. And I think that's like where like a lot of the haters come from too, is like, you know, I, I know like, as I'm growing, like I have to take a stance on something, you know, and there's a way to do it where you're not like combative, but I think a lot of people, especially like relating this back to artists in Chicago are afraid sometimes to have a stance on anything because they're afraid, Oh, I say the wrong thing. And I'm, I'm ostracized. Yeah. That's a very real truth. Mm-hmm. There's a, and again, there's a way to say things. Like I think Lucati is a really good example. I mean, sometimes he mm-hmm. st- really, really stirs the pot, <laughs> yeah. but you know, he's gotten to a point where like, but like, I think there's a way to be able to bring up topics, uh, keep it respectful. Mm-hmm. But I feel like for you, like you're so unapologetic about who yeah. you are and that, and that can piss people off because they, can. They, they don't know how to be authentic. It's very freeing for me, though, honestly, like, and I can tell you confidently, I haven't like only in the past two years, I would say maybe after I after I got married and then kind of settled into that, you know, um, I would say then, yeah, probably like the past year really locking in like I'm doing a lot of things in life, right? Like I have a day job, I have a wife, I have a dog, I have a, a personal life, I have a record label, I have a, a producer career, right? And the mm-hmm. only way that I can really manage all those things is because I love all of them, right? Like the things that I put in my life, I'm able to commit to because I enjoy doing them. So it can be a tough thing to manage all those, of course. But I think that's why it's important to find your passion, no matter what it is, even if it's not a money-making passion, right? Like I just said to you before we got on, like how much it costs to fly to places like Minneapolis, you know, like yeah. I'm not raking it in people. Okay. I'm really not like, it's, it's extremely difficult to make it as an artist in the music industry. And that's why I still have a day job because I want to make sure that I'm putting myself in positions financially to still live a good life. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's two sides of that coin for sure. Um, but yeah, it's just like but you get I, you get all these things going, and you have to just jump right in. I I love that you are um, like honest about your day job, and I know you've been there for a long time. I think a lot of artists can like tend to see it almost like as like a weakness, like oh, I still have to have my day job. But for you, you're mm-hmm. like, no, I. And one thing I've noticed about you now, like we'll we'll be talking about it soon. But this little yeah. project we're working on together is like you really have. 
amazing work ethic, strict boundaries. I've noticed yeah. about your time and everything yeah. else. Mm-hmm. And like, you can't like, it's not a bad thing to have a day job. If you want to oh. still, you know, you have a wife, you have a dog, you have a nice apartment. Like you yeah. want to enjoy life, but yeah. then do all those other things. You can do both. There's nothing wrong with yep. doing both. Absolutely. And people ask me about this all the time. How do I do both? And I always think, well, maybe I might be further along if I would have fully focused on music. Like there was a period of time, actually, it was right before the pandemic started. I opened for Galantis at uh, Aragon, two nights in a row, right? Like the biggest shows I'd ever played. I felt so good about them. And I came into work that week, like, I got to do this, man. Like, what am, what am I still doing here? You know what I mean? Like nothing against my company, right? I was just, it was just a, a great moment. And then lockdown happened and the pandemic occurred and that wasn't going to happen, right? I was so grateful to have this job. I really got a new perspective on how important it is to me to have that stability. I think that's what it is. It's not just like the job, having a day job, right? It's the stability and the routine that's very important to me. Knowing yeah. what my weeks look like, knowing what my, I, I literally like, people think it's crazy that I say, I'm free in two months on this Thursday for dinner. Can you commit? They're like, no, I can't commit. I'm like, you should be able to commit to that. Right. Cause like, I'm you. Yeah, I know you are. And um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I, I fully, fully go for what I'm doing. I don't want to say it's compartmentalizing because I'm, I'm not like putting things away, but when I'm doing this, I'm focused. When I'm doing that, I'm focused. Mm-hmm. You can't multitask. The human brain is not built for that. So when I'm doing whatever it is, I'm committed fully in that moment. Yeah. Well, and you have discipline and, yes. you know, not to like a poke fun at artists, but yeah. and they've done it themselves on the show is like, I'm a DJ. Dude. I suck at time management. I suck at, you know, it's a joke. <laughs> I know. I'm sure. And I'm sure you being so regimented, it can be difficult when you're collaborating with others. <laughs> yes. I experience that too sometimes. And I'm just like, yeah. oh, damn it. Like what if you, you can learn to be on time. Um, <laughs> so you have like, you have the discipline and that is a yeah. key component to having it all. If you don't have that, something will suffer. Absolutely. I've learned so many things. Um, through just being a regimented person through my day job. I mean, I work in logistics, so mm-hmm. it starts at 7 a.m. Um, and I'm there till about 4.30 or 5 p.m., right? Like before the pandemic, I was in the office Monday through Friday, just locked in grinding. And then I'd come home and I'd do the podcast. I work on music. I would DJ on the weekends. Um, and it was, it was a lot for me, honestly. Um, so now how I sort of regiment my schedule, it's funny. It's almost like another part of my life is actually making time for myself which is something that I've really learned in the past six months. Um, shout out to my wife, Maya, for being like, you are doing too much. Even like, oh, You need Maya. to take alone time, right? Like, yes, I'm certainly an extrovert, but I am certainly someone who appreciates time with myself. Yeah. Um, so I do that in, in as many ways as I can, even if it's for a short period of time, like going to the gym or going on a walk or reading a book or just not putting the headphones in and just almost meditating, or mm-hmm. taking a whole day to myself, whatever it is. Um, and I think people need to factor that in because it's really, really important. You don't just like all of a sudden you have free time because it's, mm-hmm. it's hard for you to like actually engage and lock in. You have to schedule it, honestly. Like yep. you, have to, you have to make it important. Like 
you have to put it on your calendar. Like we put our work <laughs> appointments on our calendar. We put our doctor's appointments on our calendar. Like we yeah. really should be. And I could be better about that too, because like I have one of my books sitting here that like, I j- like I maybe how many pages? Italian magic. What are you reading? Yeah. <laughs> Secret lives of women. Love that. Very on brand. Um, yes, it is. <laughs> I'm on page 47 and like, I got this like a month ago. There's no excuse for this. Like I have the time, Yeah. but I'll like watch TV or something, you know? I'll, like, yeah, and so like you have, you do have to schedule in those reg, like it is regimented. So it almost seems counterproductive, but like mm-hmm. it's an important, like intentional rest is so important because if you're just like, you can't pour from an empty cup. And how can you make good music when you're so fucking tired? Yeah, that's it. Honestly, that's a very, very good question because I had, I didn't actually start really locking into music and making music until I accepted that I have to give myself that opportunity and I can't just do it when I might have some time. Right. You know? mm-hmm. It's, it's a matter of creativity and creativity can come at any time. Mm-hmm. And I, that's the funny thing too. I thought, okay, like if I've got a whole Saturday for eight hours, I'm going to be productive. I've got the time. Mm-hmm. I would sit there for like two hours and I'd be like, I'm just not feeling it. And I would get frustrated. So mm-hmm. like when, you, when the time comes, you want to have the energy to do that. And that's right. been something that I've certainly struggled with and I don't struggle with it anymore. I would say I'm, I deal with it, but I deal with it in productive ways. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, making music and being creative, they don't go hand in hand, unfortunately, sometimes, because when you're ready to make music, you might not be creative. And when you're feeling creative, you might not have the opportunity to actually make music. So I've gotten lots of different pieces of advice from producers who this sort of uh, like mindset has resonated with. So um, they'll literally have like in their voice memos, like melodies, just different melodies that they're singing. Right. So even if they're at the club, they'll literally be like, Oh shit, I just thought of something. I want to go outside really quick. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know so many different producers that come back from festivals um, and are just feeling so inspired. I know producers like me who um, it just comes out of the clear blue sky. Um, I mean, dude, it comes to me at random times. Like I just watched La La Land, which is a great movie, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the piano and the jazz in that movie. I was just like, holy shit, I've got some ideas. Thank God I just watched this movie again. So you never you never really know when it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but, you have to be tuned in, though. You have to be, like, like present. Yes, you do. Like being, being present is something I think about a lot because that's when you can find inspiration. So it doesn't matter. Like, you could take, like, your relaxing time could be scrolling TikTok or it could be watching a movie or whatever, but just, like, be present in what you're doing because yeah. that is when, like, inspiration will strike. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Isn't it crazy that so many people we know and certainly generations younger than us are doing three things at once with a screen. They're watching TV, they're on their phone, they're on their laptop, their tablet. This is like so embarrassing. Like this is actually fucked. I realized today that I had an episode of Drag Race on my phone in like (laughs) little window. And I was literally on TikTok at the same time. Oh my God. That is psycho. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Oh my God. Yeah. Which one are you watching? I mean, seriously. Like both somehow. I don't even know. I think I was reading comments. Maybe. I don't know. But like, I was like, wow, that's bad. I do like as, as much as I, you know, I, I preach (laughs) wellness, whatever. Like I definitely have room for improvement. So 
Um, okay. I want to, I want to switch gears a little bit and ask you yeah. about Malort. Malort. And, okay. and the reason why is one thing that you've naturally been able to do. Like mm-hmm. you are in some ways an influencer yeah. because you've um, found ways to collaborate with all of these brands, but yeah. in a way that feels so natural. Like you're not like a, you're not like the influencer in the sense that you're promoting some random, like, yeah. Like you can tell it's an ad type shit. Yeah. Right. Like you're not yeah. out here like being like, Oh my God, look at like my, you know, this hat. I love this hat. Like it's like, it's yeah. natural to your brand and yeah. plays to your strengths. So how did Malort happen? Yeah. Cause I think there'll be some value and, you know, artists that want to branch out and find mm-hmm. other whether it's, you know, revenue, uh, making opportunities or just whatever. Like, so how yes. did that happen? brand partnerships? Well, let me just say first and foremost, uh, that I'm really lucky The people who run CH distillery who purchased Malort back in 2018 are such good people. Um, the CEO Tremaine Atkinson is like my long lost dad. Like he's such a solid dude and his story is really amazing. Um, the marketing director, Anna Sokratov is an awesome, like, she's like 23 or some shit, 24, right? And she, like, she was was all about this stuff right away. But to back it up, where it all came from, I didn't even hear, I hadn't even heard of the term Chicago handshake until maybe, like, 2017, I think. I had taken a shot of Malort, you know, of course. Someone bought it for me when you, when you moved to Chicago. Um, and I couldn't believe it cause I'm the first person to say fuck no to a gross drink or something like that, but I didn't mind it, which is crazy. Right. And everybody else at the table was like, are you, are you good? I'm like, yeah, it's fine actually. Like, okay. Um, so a few years go by, my friend tells me about like, we're talking about like uh, two fisted drinks, right? Like a shot and a beer. Mm-hmm. And he tells me about Chicago handshake. He just says it casually go, what's a Chicago handshake? And he goes, Oh, it's uh, old style or PBR and a shot of a Lord. I'm like, oh, my lord, dude, like, people aren't, you're not drinking that casually. He goes, no, but like, it's at all these dive bars. Just like, open your eyes and start asking them for it. So I'm at these bars and I'm like, oh shit, the Chicago handshake is everywhere. Like, this is insane. So I started like drinking them with people because a lot of people hadn't drank my lord. And I felt like it's my duty as Chicagoan to mm-hmm. do this. Right. And, um, I start to meet more Malort drinkers, some of which are my friends, some are new people, some are the bartenders. And I just start to have this weird sort of Chicago connection with people. It's a very strange thing. Um, and you, you have this connection just like with dance music fans, right? Like you've told me about this, um, especially through your podcast, right? Like connecting with people about the love of music and being a fan. Um, so it's, it's a similar world. Um, so on St. Patrick's Day, I think in 2021, Maybe it was 2022. I can't remember. But I'm with my friend, and it's St. Patrick's Day. It's a great day to be drinking Malort. We took this video. I did it on a balcony, and people started calling me Mr. Chicago because I was, like, drinking Malort. And, you know, I'm always, like, the guy to ask for recommendations for restaurants, for (laughs) bars, for events, whatever it is, you know, because I love the city so much, and I want people to experience it all the way to the taste of Malort. Um, so my friend Cy and I, but with the bag, he sends, he sampled this vocal and put it over a house track. I go, dude, are you kidding me? This is genius. And we started working on it more. And I did an interview with Danny Deal, a live interview. And she's, she's a Malort ambassador, so to speak as well. And she, she made me take a Chicago handshake in the middle of this interview with her. 
and <laughs> it didn't go down well. So oh, we sampled God. that audio and we put it in this track called Chicago Handshake, which we released on Hood Politics in June of 2022. What's up? It's Mr. Chicago here. We're celebrating St. Patrick's here in Chicago. The only way we know how to. Old style and malort. This is called a Chicago Handshake. It sort of had a mini viral um, like moment um, with Chicago DJs, with Chicago influencers, things like that. Um, and it's a great track, honestly. And what I started doing was taking Chicago handshakes with people in the crowd while I played this song, right? So it became yeah. like this gimmick. Um, yeah. And I loved it. It literally unleashed a side of me, Olivia, that like I didn't know I was capable of, right? Like that there's no DJs out there that like are one, like promoting a, a an alcohol that most people consider gross, obviously, but like of their city, you know what I mean? Sure. People go out there and pour tequila down, you know, person in the front row. Right. But I'm literally bringing my own Malort and old style to events. You know what I mean? Like so funny clubs don't have Malort. Well, spy bar does now actually. Yeah. <laughs> of course spy bar does. Yeah. I, I won't say it was, it was a huge influence on my part, but it definitely was. Um, <laughs> So I'm bringing these Malort shooters with me everywhere. I'm bringing old style um, and people in the crowd just absolutely love it. Right. Cause I'm doing it with them. Um, and I had this idea. I was like, I really want to do like an event. It's a headline event, but it's gotta be really unique. Like I don't want it to be just like another club show where I DJ, like I want this to be something where I can roll out an event. It's specific to Chicago and it would unite people, not just in the dance music world. And I thought, man, like, wouldn't it be cool to like really unite like iconic foundations of Chicago, house music and Malort. And uh, they, I was messaging them a lot and just kind of being like, Hey, I would love to like collaborate with you guys in some way. Cause they always reposted me. Um, and I came up with this idea for an event called the Chicago handshake party. Right. So I did it last year and I worked with my videographer Colton who helped me with all these ideas to literally go up to tourists in Chicago around the bean and ask them a trivia question and drink shots of Malort with them. And the shit went fucking viral, right? Uh, like so yeah. many of the videos did extremely well. Um, everybody was asking me about it, talking about it. And um, obviously CH distillery was like loving it. And I interviewed the CEO Tremaine at the, at where they make Malort. Um, so at CH cool. Yeah, so, so got the full story from him, uh, played a set in there on top of Malort Barrels, um, and just like leaned into it. And it was so much fun for me because like you're collaborating with this brand in a very real boots on the ground way. Like I know it's a little yeah. sales term, but like I'm literally in the fucking streets, you know what I mean? <laughs> like pushing Malort and they've just become really good friends of mine. Um, they're always looking to collaborate on new stuff. And it's been a really special thing for me to fully own that and really believe that because like, I don't know, it was just wild for me, right? Like I'm just some guy from Indiana, but I had a liking towards Malort and the culture behind it. And for a long time, I didn't even know I was going to do this event, but I was taking videos of me drinking Malort with people, friends, yes. random people at bars. Right. Um, and it just became this. So, so that's, that's the story. The being present thing. Okay. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like you realizing, wait, I have something here. And yeah. two things I want to mention really quick, because in yeah. any, like 
in, in my world, like the content creation influencer world, Mm -hmm. some of the most common tips for new influencers, people who want to be influencers and want to work with brands are always one, find a product that you love and use every day. Obviously you're not drinking Malort every day, <laughs> so, but you're doing it, you know, it's part of your weekends, whatever. So use something like find something that you use all the time and that you love, right? Like it's easy for you to talk about because you love it and then make content with it for, mm-hmm. for free, right? Like make a video and then send that video to the brand and be like, Hey, I love your product. Like here's a video I did about it, especially if it ha- does numbers, like that's even better. And yeah. a lot of the times the brand will just fucking pay you. They'll be like, Oh, yeah. can we use this? Like, and we'll yeah. pay you that or whatever. So like, it's the same concept. So like, I think that is a great, great, great tip for artists who want to expand yeah. their options and really mm-hmm. build their brand is like, what is something that is like, staple a staple for you like that yeah. kind of you know malort and djing don't really coexist like you said like malort said dive bars but you found yeah. a way like they're mm-hmm. not completely opposite you fu- you found a way to yeah. incorporate it exactly um, and so like that is such good advice yeah. for people who who want to do a little bit more with their career and, and like doing things out of the box. Like that is how you get noticed and that's how you elevate. Dude, I was, I was nervous about the show. I was nervous about the content. I was nervous about everything, but I knew that what I was doing was different. And I knew that I had the support of like people that were interested in all of these things. Right. So I had, I had people that love dance music that were trying Malort. I had people that had never been to a dance music show drinking Malort there. You know what I mean? So it was like, I fucking did it, you know? And there's a documentary that Colton made of it where he interviewed me and um, just like the people that we got involved with, like the old style guy, Adam, like he sent me this, uh, this cutout where you could take pictures of an old style and then a Chicago hot dog and you put your faces in it. Right. So we had that there. I worked with a local company called transit tees to make a Chicago handshake t-shirt. That was like an emblem that had like, it was iconic things in Chicago, right? It was a Malort. It was a house music. It was a music sign house, a house and, um, something else. So I worked with all these local brands to really make this like very, very unique Chicago event. And, um, it went great. So it's like, just think about what you do every day and what you like. Like I wasn't making, (laughs) I was making people, I was making people drink Malort, but not thinking that one day I'm going to throw a party around this. Right. Right. So it just kind of came together and artists by nature are a little bit true artists. I would say not all of them are just a little bit more shy. Right. So they're like, well, what content do I put out? Like, I don't want to just like record myself, um, making music, honestly, fans of dance music probably the only people who want that are other producers and maybe djs mm-hmm. who are you how can you show the world who you are in a way that you're comfortable doing and yeah. if if putting yourself out there is going outside that comfort zone then take that small step i'm not saying you have to go out on the streets and take videos and talk to random people you know most people would say that's probably easy for you sure dude i am in a onesie an old style onesie walking around trying to get people to drink malort and i'm like this is this is honestly nerve-wracking <laughs> you know yeah, but i interviews are they are they're not easy i no. i remember from when I was yeah you know 
but you, but you really, you, it's a, it's a muscle you have to exercise, putting yourself in uncomfortable situations. So you built up to that, you know, you were doing that straight out the great out the gate. But like you said, you built that confidence throughout the Mm -hmm. years of like, you know, through being your authentic self. And now you're, you're more comfortable taking those steps and like everything you're telling me, everything you're saying, you're nervous, you're this, you're that like it never comes across in your content. Like you really, yeah. like you, you, you fully send it and, <laughs> and we're all better for it because it's, it's Hell so. Yeah. Well, I think uh, all of that nervousness and anxiety is at least for me and many others is built up right until you actually jump, you know, like mm-hmm. I still get really nervous for big shows, but the second I get up there and push play, it all goes away. Right. The second that the camera starts rolling, I'm ready to go. I'm locked in. So you just have to believe in yourself to at least give yourself the chance to succeed Mm -hmm. and put yourself out there. So, you know, easier said than done, but um, I'm certainly living proof of someone that has put myself out there and it's worked. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And, and also like, you're really someone who I'm reading this, this book called 10 X is easier than two X. And the gist is they talk about like want versus need. And, and when you want something, um, it doesn't come from a place of scarcity. It comes from a place of, I am going to create, like, I am not going to, um, I don't need resources. I'm going to create things that didn't exist before. And like everything we've been talking about is like, you're living this like large life where you are yeah. creating, like you're 10 Xing, like you're creating things yeah. that did not exist before. Like and that's that. it. People don't do that. Like, I'm not trying to like, <laughs> you know, I'm laying it on thick here. Sure. But like, yeah. really, people, people don't do that. So it's just really impressive that, um, you continue to, to go for it yeah. and, and you're always doing new things. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking notice of things like that. And I think sometimes I don't even take notice to the success that I'm having. And I try and do that. And I try and remind others as well that, you know, you should just be grateful for the point that you've gotten to because you've gotten so much further than 99% of people. Right. And that's kind of where this imposter syndrome comes from. Right. Like everybody is like, I wish I was there. I wish I was at that point or I deserve this or I deserve that. Everyone has their own timeline to success. And it is your journey to follow at whatever pace that you 2X or 10X. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're right. I 10X that shit. And um, that's the only way I know how to do it. And with that comes large goals. But every time I think of a large goal, like obviously I want to play Lollapalooza. That's a huge goal for me. Mm-hmm. But that was a goal for me five years ago. And now I'm realizing that, that that's going to happen sometime. I don't know when, but I need to think even bigger than that. Yes. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It is, um, a lot of people tend to only write down things that they think maybe they can achieve. And so they, they stay in like that bubble and it's so, um, it's so much fun to like put huge goals down on the board. Like, you know, like we've talked about, I'm a big vision boarder Um, because it really does. Like when you put it out in the ether, like, instead of keeping it inside, like it will become more realistic. Yeah. Like, like think about it. You're like saying like sure. Lollapalooza is going to happen. You're like now I got to think bigger. And I, yep. I feel that way about certain things too, like milestones in my business, like my consulting business. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, like 
that much money, like that's fine. I can do that. Now I need to think bigger, but people, people get afraid, you know, they get, they get afraid to think too big because they don't want to fail. But it's like, why just go for here when you can like you go up here and then you land somewhere in the middle? You know? Well, look at, look at, let me show you some love. Look at what we're doing right now. Right. We'll, we'll probably mention a little bit later, but I think unless we did it together, we probably wouldn't be able to. So you don't, you don't always have to do it on your own. Align wow. yourself with other people that are driven, that are creative, that are empowered, self, self-willed individuals, right? Because together you can do more. So don't ever, like, I couldn't have done those videos without Colton. You know what right. I mean? I couldn't have put on these events without the relationships that I've built um, or made me like, I make a lot of collaboration because I'm very inspired by other people's ideas and that's what drives me. And I, I own those sort of things. Look at you, dude. Like you're one of the only other people that we know of right now that does these podcasts and interviews people and you're a woman in this space, right? So you're like, you're really fucking going for it. I mean, we talked about it on my podcast, like you literally making that EDC thing happen is like, it's awesome. You did that shit. Like, don't ever forget that. So I, I hope that uh, people realize that anything is actually possible. You just have to like think yeah. big and think about yeah. what are the little steps I'm going to take to get there. And, and surround yourself with other people that inspire you. Really yes. like the company you keep is huge. You talk about collaborating with others. Like, yep. It's so true. Like that's the only people I want in my life at this point is people mm -hmm. who want more for themselves yes. because when we all want more for ourselves, we like can collaborate with others better. Like mm -hmm. you have to have a healthy mind to be able to give, you know, it, it's, <laughs> yes. it, it's so true. And so like, it's exciting. Like I know we keep dancing around this topic of what you and I are putting together, Yeah, but I think it will be, transformative because we both like are very personally motivated and we have complementing skill sets. Yep. And it's going to be dope. It's going to be dope. It's going to be dope. And we our our vision is big, right? Like we know it's not just a one-time thing. So right. I think that's, right. that's what, that's what really, that's what, ex that's what is exciting to me about just being in the electronic dance music space because there are lim unlimited possibilities to what yep. the future holds with events, with um, just like cross pollination of different industries that come into this because dance music is such a small sliver of music, right? Like, right. And I young. think it's, yeah, it's young. It's young. young. So much that can be done. So much that can be done. And um, if you look at popular music today, pop music, I, people don't know that, Pop music is short for popular popular music, right? Yeah, that's so weird to think about, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, especially because most of it's trash too. Which is trash, like crazy. But guess what? <clears throat> A lot of those people are dance music producers. So think about the people that are I mentioned earlier that are coming into this space. Yeah, I I welcome young talent. I mm -hmm. usher in young talent because they drive me to be better, and they also inspire me. And I think. We're seeing, no matter what, when you get older, you're not going to want to adapt. You're not going to want to change. I want to defy that stereotype and say, I'm always willing to bend and hear and listen and learn because we, our generation brought in so many new, like, just like ways of life, you know, like millennials were just, 
we're open, we're accepting, we're curious, we're genuine, we're creative people. And I feel like younger generations are versions of us, but now to them, we're kind of like old people, which is weird. But like, <laughs> look at TikTok, dude. Like, you know, we could have a whole nother interview about like, it, it, do you need to be on TikTok if you want to be a successful DJ? I say absolutely. Like, well, you need to define your definition of success or popularity because you certainly don't have to. But we were, I was just on a call with this music distributor who works with TikTok and, you know, all these other promotional platforms. And they're like, you know, yeah, we work with a lot of artists that like don't embrace TikTok. And I'm like, I embrace the living fuck out of whatever can get me in front of people. Yeah. Right? Like you have, to, you have to adjust to the time. So yeah, that's why I think like there's so many things coming. There's going to be another TikTok. There's going to be another Instagram. And we're going to have to adapt and we're going to have to learn. And that's exciting. It is. No, no, you're right. Like, like the curmudgeons of this industry, yeah. like as talented as they may be, like I, nobody likes a curmudgeon, you know, it's <laughs> a perfect word, <laughs> nobody, you know, and there's a lot of them. There's a lot of like curmudgeon cranky sticklers. Yep. And, um, and I get Constantly. it you know, I get it. It's tough. It's like, Oh fuck. Another thing that I have to do. Um, <laughs> but you know, but you know, either, you know, take control of it or it's going to overtake you. So straight up, you know what I mean? Like you can't change it. So you just, you got to embrace it. Um, Make it your own too. I think that's one thing as well. Like you don't have to do what everybody else is doing on these platforms. Just know that there is an audience on these platforms that's right. a unique audience and that could be your audience. I think we talked about this when you were on my podcast. Each social media has its own audience, right? Right. Instagram, TikTok, even Facebook, like Snapchat even is still a thing to many, many people. Right. So how you create your content might work better on one of the others. Just find your voice and see which one works best. I agree. Like an, uh, one of your, you know, hood politics, BFFs, Chris Diaz, his content right now <laughs> yes. is killing me. He's so funny. I know. It's so funny. funny. He's, so, <laughs> he's so fucking funny. And I'm like, and you he, he put a lot of thought into his content. And like, when you know Chris Diaz as a person, he's so mm. like, it actually blows my mind how smart he is he because is. he's just like, when he's out, he's just like having a good time, like bouncing around, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, a little bit of a stoner, but then like he puts together this content that like kills me, kills me. It's so funny. Oh, he's, he, he is uh, an amazing example and it's been great to see him do this 30 day challenge. Cause I've talked to him throughout it and he's like, it's been really tough. Like, but it's also challenged me to like just keep going and keep going because he's a perfectionist right and i said has this kind of helped you like look at how your process goes and he's like yeah dude like i worry about too many little things like these tracks that i'm making at their core are like amazing and unique because i'm not wasting time because i'm on a time crunch so mm -hmm. he's like maybe if i put myself on these like you know i need to finish this track in this amount of time then maybe he can start churning out more music and not worrying about the things that nobody else listens to or cares about. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, uh, Barkley slash Claude, that's what he talked yeah. to me about too. He made, he made 80, 80 tracks in 80 days or something like that. Like something crazy. Cause he was Jesus. saying that, you know, prior he would make, put out maybe two a year. Cause he would yeah. like, 
beat them to death. Like, ha- you yeah. know, perfect and perfect and perfect. And art is never done. Like there's no such thing as done art. And okay. so, um, his mentor like said, you need to like, just, just put shit out. And like, same thing. It like completely changed his perspective and the way that he approaches, um, you know, working. And so I think that's really smart to do. That's, that's great. Yeah. I, that interview was really good, by the way. It was cool to hear someone like that. Just, I don't know, just be completely honest. And you definitely got him out of his own comfort zone, speaking of. So Thank uh, you. it's just, you, you gotta like, I don't know. You just can't worry about what other people think. Honestly, that's yep. as simple as that. Just, just do it. Whatever your goal is, whatever your passion or your dream is, you can't get there unless you just do it and put it out there. So, you know, you're the only person in your own way. I love it. That's, that's been the theme of this conversation. And I think that's, you know, perfect, perfect statement to end on because you wake up at um, five, (laughs) six in the morning. What is it? Uh, well, now I got a little puppy. She likes to, she's my alarm clock. I haven't set an alarm in quite some time. So it's usually between 6.15 and 6.20. Oh, we, go to, we go out to the that's potty. Brutal. Yeah, we hang well, out. <laughs> much, much respect to you. And I'm so excited. Like, I know we did that typical, like, DJ thing of like, oh, big things coming, like announcement coming soon type bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but we actually do have an announcement coming soon. Um, and God, that's so funny. Like that's like like so typical. But um, thank you for for being on my show, yeah. and I'm so excited to see what you 10x next. Nice, Olivia, and thank you for having me on the show. Um, again, I'm very inspired by you and your drive and your passion, and you're a very unique individual. More people are needed like you in the space. So I hope at the very least. You've inspired um, men, women, whoever to just put themselves out there and know that you don't have to be an artist to be involved and make a difference in this scene. So um, I definitely want to acknowledge you for that. You deserve it. Thanks, sure. Hell yeah. It was a very cool opportunity to get to interview my friend and kind of get to know him on a deeper level in this sort of setting. And if you notice towards the end of our conversation, we hinted at big things coming and we would not be saying that if it wasn't true. We have an announcement coming here in the next, mm, I wanna say just under two months. So I know that's a long time to wait, but it will be worth it. What we are putting together for you guys is a fucking game changer. And I wouldn't say that if I didn't mean it. So stay tuned for that. And of course, If you like the show, the best way to support it is to simply share it with your friends and subscribe if you haven't already. I'll talk to you guys next week.